So today's topic is tied to um, the prepared feet, all right? And this is a continuation from, from our ongoing series on the armor of God, okay? So we have looked at um, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Uh, we have looked at what else? What else have we looked at? Uh, just let me go, let me read that again. The breastplate of righteousness, we've looked at the belt of truth. We have looked at, oh, this is just the third one. Okay, interesting. Okay. All right, so this is the third one we're looking at. We have a long way to go because there are about seven of them. We still have the shield of faith. Um, we have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the spirits. So after this, we have three, three more to go, actually. Okay. All right. So we're looking at this in, in progression. And we want to, the aim of this study is to dissect what the Bible means when, we talk, when it talks about the armor of God. And uh, like I said earlier, this is definitely not an exhaustive study. There is still a lot more to be studied on these notes. However, this gives a foundation we can build upon, and this probably should stir up some form of curiosity in our hearts um, that would lead us into personal study. So again, I encourage every one of us, please go back and study the scriptures for yourself. After this Bible study, whatever you've learned, go back, open the Bible, let the Holy Ghost minister it to you personally, right? Because that is powerful. So I really encourage every single one of us. Okay, so let us read. Let us read. Um, sorry, Ephesians chapter six. Um, our anchor text is from verse ten to verse verse eighteen. But I'm not sure we will read all of that today. However, I'll just read a couple of those verses. So Ephesians chapter six, and our anchor text for the whole of this series has been verse ten to verse eighteen. And we'll be taking that in bits, you know, one after the other. Uh, just, just some something, you know, came to my mind. I was having a conversation with my wife some last week, I think, and she, I was reading this um, passage of scripture, and I just read one verse, and she asked me and said, "So you mean one teaching, like one verse, is what we are studying in the whole of of one one teaching?" And I said to her, "Yes, that is very interesting. That one verse has." has several layers to it you know just like think of your own onion bulb you keep on peeling and peeling one um, layer after the other it's the same onion but several layers to it and that's how like the word of god is you could actually stay on one of the verses for like a whole month all right so it's just interesting to know that okay so we are reading verse um we are reading verse let's start from verse 13 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So there is such a thing called the evil day, right? And it is not a question of probability whether the day will come or not. It's a question of certainty. And um, the question will be how prepared are you? Just like the book of Proverbs says that, if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. So it is not that adversity would come or would not come. It is certain adversity will come. What would determine the outcome in the day of adversity is the strength that you have mustered before that day. And it's, in, it's the same way that this scripture says, having um, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So the evil day or the day of adversity would definitely come. The day when the enemy would launch his attack you know, at you will definitely come. Um, but he says we should stand. Then he goes on to tell us how we should stand. He says, stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth. So the way we stand and resist the enemy is, is what Paul was explaining. And he goes on to begin to list certain aspects of the armor of God um, that we should, that will make us stand. And like I said last week, the armor is the armor of God. So the parts of the armor are, are parts that come from God, okay? They are not parts that you fabricate or part, parts that you create yourself. This is not the armor of your pastor or the armor of your father or your mother or the armor of a prayer warrior somewhere. This is the armor of God that he gives unto us as an advantage to withstand 
the attack of the enemy. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. So verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So we covered these two, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And I greatly encourage us, if you miss the study or you just like to listen to it again, it's available on our podcast um, channel. And the link will be shared with us, you know, before the end of this Bible study. And also, if you're in our WhatsApp, if you are in our WhatsApp group, then you most likely would have come across the link. So verse 14 says, um, having your loins get about with truth, and having a breastplate of righteousness, and verse 15 now says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, the, the word, I'm reading from the King James um, version, so the word shod there um, could be a bit detached from our present day English, but what it simply means is to fasting, okay? That means your feet fasting with the preparation of the gospel of truth. Is It carries, it connotes what you do with your sandals or what you do with your shoes, right? When you strap your shoes in and tie your, your shoelaces um, or when you, you know, buckle your, your sandals as the case may be. That is what that word simply means in English, okay? It says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So when it talks about several parts of the, of the body and the corresponding armor that go with, that, with those parts, we hear different things. For instance, we hear, the breastplate of righteousness, and we looked at that last week, so it's pretty fresh in our memory. The breastplate is one primarily to cover our heart, okay? Um, primarily to cover our heart and then um, other organs of our bodies. But like I said last week, primarily to cover our heart. That's what the breastplate does. When you hear the helmet of salvation, helmet is not one on your, to cover your chest. It's not one on your feet. It's one on your head. So there are specific um armor, specific parts of the armor that cover specific parts of the body. And Paul went in this manner to, to show us um, prophetically what this signifies in our lives. So when it came to the feet, he says, let your feet be strapped with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, this could be a bit confusing. And, and by the time we read several translations, um, some of the translations leave you more confused, I must say that. So I'm going to explain this in very simple terms, right? Um, drawing from the from how it is presented in the Greek, okay? So first thing is, I want us to note is the preparation or the preparedness to share the gospel, okay? So when we hear about, when, when we hear the gospel of peace, um, what comes to mind is not what comes to mind is really the gospel. And you see in several instances, several other places where um, the gospel is referred to as the gospel of peace, okay? So that is a term for the gospel, for the word of God, for the message of Jesus Christ. And what this verse says is, what, or the first thing I, will, I would love to point out from here is the preparedness. So it says your, your feet fitted or your feet, you know, strapped with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It talks about a preparedness to share the gospel, okay? And please follow follow me carefully. Um, follow me carefully on this. It talks about the preparedness to share the gospel. That's one. Next thing I want to point out is that okay, that it also refers to the alertness of mind and the readiness to share the gospel. So it, this talks about. Um, pardon me, please. So this talks about um, the alertness. And, and you know, the way it says it is, and your feet shod or prepared or, or fitted or strapped. You know, when you wear your shoes, for instance, um, if I come and see you wear your shoes, but your lace, your shoelace is not tied, it tells me that, well, you have a shoe worn, but you're not ready to go out yet. Because when you're ready, you tie your shoelace it shows that you are ready for movement. Um, or when you buckle your sandals, it lets me know that you're ready um, for movement. It is the same way, it is the same idea that this connotes. It says, it doesn't just say where the um, where your shoes, it says, let it be buckled, let it be shod, or let it be fitted, okay? That means you are, you are alert and ready to move. So remember that it is our, our feet that take us places, okay? 
out of all the body parts we have, our feet has the privilege of carrying us where we want to. So your mind or your, your, your heart can desire to go um, to the cinema, for instance, but your feet needs to move in order for your whole body to arrive there. So it's saying that your feet signifying you what, is, what moves you should be ready and should be alert for that movement. And this talks about the alertness of mind. So we are not, it's not a state of relaxation. You know, just like the Bible says that, woe unto those who are complacent or who are at ease in Zion. That's not the state it's talking about. It's talking about the preparedness, the alertness of the mind and the readiness to share the gospel. What this means is that we are sensitive to the opportunities God brings our way to share the gospel. So for instance, you, um, you are in a taxi. For, for instance, you take you know, any of the taxi um, platforms that is in wherever you are. So you take a taxi and God begins to drop clues for you to share the gospel with your taxi driver. He begins to drop um, suggestions in conversations. Maybe um, he talks, he asks, oh, where are you going to? And you say, for instance, you are going to the bank. And that says, oh, is it the bank that's close to a church? And somewhere in your heart, that, as you mentioned, church, God drops a, a clue that you can start a conversation about the gospel from, the, from that church you just mentioned. Or you talk about, maybe just asking, oh, how are your children? And he says, ah, children are fine. No, you know, school fees is around the corner. I, I'm looking for money to pay school fees. And then God drops in your heart that you can start preaching the gospel from his point of need. It is that alertness of mind that the Bible is talking about. All right? That alertness of mind. And I can tell you from personal experience, right, that a lot of times, God, if you are sensitive and alert in your heart, you will find that littered around your day, there are several Kairos moments to share the gospel with somebody. And I've, I've shared this here before, so let me just share it again. You know, I remember one day I while I was still dating my wife, so I went to see her um, after work in the evening. And then on my way back home, I took a, took a taxi and, and I was coming back. Maybe five minutes into the trip, I suddenly just looked up and I just, this must have been a word of knowledge, right? And I just sensed that this guy doesn't pray in tongues. So I asked him and I went straight up and asked him, are you, so I asked him if he was, a particular, he was from a particular sect of Christianity. And I know these people don't um, pray in tongues typically. So I asked him, I said, are you from this you know, sect? And he said, and he didn't even ask me if I'm a Christian or not. He just went straight to ask about that. And I said, oh, yeah, that I, I just you know, feel like I should ask you. So he said, yes, that he was from, from that you know, part of Christianity. And I asked him, do you pray in tongues? And he said, no. Um, I, asked, I went on to say, okay, I'm sure because the, you guys don't believe in praying in tongues. He said, yes. So I said, okay, can I, you know, can we talk about this? And from that conversation, by the time we arrived at my house, I prayed for this guy and he got filled with the Holy Ghost instantly, right? And it was such an amazing experience. He was so happy because in, during the trip, we're able to debug some of the ideas he had against speaking in tongues. So what I'm saying is that in such moments, if you are alert and sensitive to the Holy Ghost, he may drop clues in your heart. It may even be from a conversation. You know, I remember, it, again, I, I, I think I just like sharing the gospel with people in cabs. So there was this particular cab guy that, took me, um, again, I was coming back in the evening, I think from work or something. And he, he we got around talking about his, his family, asked about his children, about his family. And I, initially I didn't have anything in mind. I was just asking, it was just a cordial conversation. But once we start, start speaking about his family, God, the Holy Ghost dropped a word in my spirit for him regarding his children. And he was struggling to pay for his children's coffees at that moment. And when I gave those words, this man, you could see this man almost crying because those words came at the right time. I'm saying that God in your day, and it doesn't have to be the same sort of scenario, but in your day, what God does is that he drops opportunities for you to share the word of God with someone, including the person you don't like, maybe in your office or somewhere. But God just drops opportunities to share a word of encouragement, a, 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 a message, you know, probably a word of caution, to, to someone in your, in your context or your environment. So this um, part of the armor talks about the alertness of our hearts and the readiness of our minds to share the gospel with people, okay? Um, I also put here that just a little, you know, 
digging I did, that a Greek word used preparation for this, um, when it says the preparation of the gospel of peace, the Greek word used translated preparation in English is a metaphor from the Oriental custom of sending people ahead of a king on his, on his journey, pardon my um, typo error, sending, um, sending people ahead of a king on his journey to level the road and make it passable. So the idea is this, that, I mean, think about several centuries ago where they didn't have tarred roads like we do currently. And then they, they didn't have also cars or anything like that. So the kings had, had to tra travel either in their chariots or on their horses or any um, beast or body. What happened is that before a king, so if a king says, for instance, I am going to, um, let's say, let's let's say now, because I'm in Nigeria, a king says, I'm going to Abuja from Lagos. What typically happens is that certain men will go ahead of the king and they'll pass the road that the king is supposed to pass and level every rough area, smoothing it and make it, you know, smooth enough before the king comes. So that when the king is on his journey, um, he doesn't experience bumps on the road and all of that. Now, this would help you understand why when, um, Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ came to Jerusalem in what is popularly known as the triumphant, triumphant entry, that people came and put palm fronts on the floor before the donkey came, before the donkey you know, walked on, the, on that path. And what that signified was that they recognized Jesus as a king and they were making ready for him I'm making ready the path for him to walk on. Okay. So, anyways, that word preparation comes from that metaphor. And I believe it's instructive for us because um, it's significant to the fact that Jesus Christ is our king and he's coming very soon. And he's sending us ahead of him to prepare the hearts of people, to prepare the minds of people with, with the gospel, all right, with the gospel of peace, to speak to people, to prepare people for his coming. And this is what I, um, I believe is significant in this metaphor that jesus christ our king is coming soon and for every one of us he's sending us ahead to prepare um the way for people for him you know to come in and the way here rep represents the hearts of people and um again just to emphasize that we should really be sensitive with sensitive to the opportunities that god will give unto us to share the gospel and to preach his word okay all right so having said that I want us to now explore this scripture, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, because this now gives us a, um, what we just said, rather, gives us a foundation to understand Isaiah chapter 57, 52, sorry, verse 7. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. All right, I read. It says, how beautiful... Upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publisheth peace. So you see again that um, good tidings, peace, like uh, come together. And that's pretty much the gospel, the gospel of peace. It says that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. So the, this is a prophetic, um, prophetic scripture, all right? And here Isaiah says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings or, or the gospel, which is the, um, the meaning, the, the word gospel rather means good news. Okay. So when it says good tidings here, it simply means good news. And that's exactly what the gospel is. So the Bible says that the, how beautiful are the feet of those upon the mountain that bring good news. So it first says that it gives us an insight into the way heaven views those that bring the good tidings or the, those that bring good news or bring the gospel, okay? And just for, for sake of clarity here, when we say gospel, I'm not necessarily me referring to you preaching the entire scripture to somebody, okay? Um, I, what I mean here is anything that God lays in your heart to speak to someone is considered a, a gospel, it's considered the good news because obviously it will be taken from the word of God, okay? So when God drops a message in your heart to preach to someone or to give a word to someone or to, you know, encourage someone or anything like that, it is definitely lifted from the Bible, okay? And that's the good news. So it's a, it is good news unto that person, all right? Even if it's a, even if it's a correction or a caution, 
it is still good news unto the person. Okay, so that's what gospel in this context um, means. So it says, Bible gives us insight that those who carry these kind of messages, that heaven looks at them and say their feet are beautiful. All right, that is heaven considers them to have beautiful feet. Now, there's something that also I want to point in this verse seven. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains, upon the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news. Now, scripturally, right, and I put this in, this, in the slide, that mountains represent territories, okay? So, for instance, remember the Bible says that um, in the book of Psalms, that just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround, you know, um, the people he loves, I'm paraphrasing, Okay. What that means is that the, the mountains that surround Jerusalem stand to mark the boundaries and the territories of Jerusalem. You get that? So mountains represent territories. Again, that's why Caleb said, give me this mountain. Because what he knew that if he could possess the mountain, he, he has possessed that territory. So scripturally, mountains, one of the things mountains represent um, is territories. Okay, mountains represent territories. What that means for us in this scripture is that God is actually sending us to preach the gospel in territories, meaning that God will place you in several territories intentionally for the purpose of, of spreading his word. So there may be other physical, and I'll call them excuses why you are there. So for instance, um, for instance, you get a, a, a new job or, or you, you probably are where you are working currently. I, this is my firm belief that God didn't just place you there simply to earn a salary. God placed you in that territory so that you can preach the gospel. And when I say preach the gospel, I, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not saying you come in the office and instead of doing your work, you pick a megaphone and say, everybody give your life to Christ. They'll just fire you the next day. What I mean by preaching the gospel is like I explained earlier, the messages God drops in your heart, all right, for people in that territory, you communicate that message to them as the message comes to your heart. That is preaching the gospel in that territory. So never be in a territory where your the impact of the gospel is not being propagated via your lips or via your life. And again, the gospel can be, again, right, the gospel is primarily preached via communication, right? So via words. However, words are not the only way God will communicate the gospel, okay? So your lifestyle, your conduct, your work ethic, the, your mannerism, your character also preaches the gospel, okay? However, the gospel is primarily primarily preached via conversations, all right? So God places us in territories for the sake of preaching his gospel, bringing his message. And that's why the Bible says our feet should be prepared, should be, um, um, we should wear or we should, we should be fitted, right, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means at every point in time, we're allowed to preach the gospel. If God brings you into, for instance, brings, brings you into, you go to for a hangout, okay? And then you're having a conversation, something, something, something is going on. And immediately God flags a window for you to preach the gospel. Your mind should be alert and sensitive to preach the gospel in that territory, all right? So remember how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news that bring the good tidings of god okay so like i said on the slide god expects us to bring the gospel to the various territories he has placed us in so for instance you may be married right now have you ever asked yourself why am i married to this wonderful um man or wonderful woman what else is is god trying to minister through my marriage and if you look closely you will see that um even scripturally marriage is not just between two individuals alone, but that two families are coming together. Then you ask yourself, I say, okay, Lord, in my in-laws family or my, my wife or my, my spouse's family, right? Wife or your husband's family. What is the, how do you want me to spread the gospel? And then God begins to open your eyes and says, you see that your husband's sister or your wife's brother, you know, I want you to begin to do this and do that in your heart or maybe an uncle or an aunt or something like that or a cousin or whatever it is. Just, but just because you are alert already, gives God the opportunity to open your eyes to see how the gospel can be spread in that territory called marriage. So never forget, when God places you in a territory, there's a gospel he wants you to preach in that territory. There's a message he wants you to communicate in that territory. And I said here that 
the most important entities in any territory are the people in it. So when we talk about territories, right? Territories are not just limited to geographic um, locations alone, of which that's a significant um, part of it. However, it's not re restricted to geographic locations alone. There are territories, there are economic territories, there are um, um, entertainment territories, that, there are different kinds of territories. And if you read the book, um, the Seven Mountain Prophecy, right? You would understand this concept, concept better that when each mountain is a territory and when God places you in a mountain, right? It's for you to bring the gospel in there. However, I said here that the most important entities in any territory are the people in it. If you can get to the heart of the people, right? With the gospel, then the systems can change because the systems are created by the people. So what God primarily looks for in a territory are the hearts of the people. So this is probably a wake-up call for every one of us to be alert to sharing the, the word of God in our territory. So a question I will ask you is, how is the word of God spreading in the territory you find yourself in? And for many of us, right, if not for everyone, we find ourselves, we play in various territories simultaneously. All right, so you belong to a family, you have a workplace or a business, you probably belong to one group or the other. Let me say this, as long as there are human beings in a place, then that's a territory that, that represents a territory. And your duty, one of your core duties there as a believer is to bring the gospel into that territory by ministering to the people in it, okay? Now, this part obviously requires the wisdom of God to practically approach it. However, once you have your mind alerted to, to this concept, then um, it opens it gives it opens your heart right to receive the strategy and the wisdom from God to bring the gospel in that territory. All right. Okay, so I want to pause here and just be sure that we are all together. So do me a favor if you have been following so far and this is making sense and you're learning something, please drop it in the comments. Um, drop a, just a comment and let me know you're with me. Let me know you hear me. Let me know you're following. Let me know this is making sense um, to you. All right. Uh, Mixella and Zoom, I'm looking forward to your comments. Let me know that we are together in this taking territory business. Okay. Thank you. I see your comments on Zoom. Thank you very much. Oduayo, um, thank you very much. Golua. I see your comment by your thank you. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, Mixella, I am. Okay, good. I see your comments. I'm with you. Joy says that. Thank you. Okay, awesome. So we're together. All right. So I want us to proceed. Thank you very much. Yes, I see your comments. Now I want us to proceed on this train of thoughts and then take it, um, take it further. All right. So we have established that mountains represent territories and God expects us to bring the gospel in every territory that he places us in, right? And then we've also established that the most important entities in any territory are the people in it. Okay, having said that, let us add one more scripture to give us, you know, a good, a good backup to what we've said. So Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Remember that we're talking about prepared feet, which is um, the third aspect of the armor of God that Paul mentioned in Ephesians chapter six, all right? And we're trying to explore what this means and how, what was the practical explanation for this? So Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Romans chapter 10, verse, four, verse 13, sorry, to verse 15. Okay, I read. So it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And please just, let's follow this carefully and, and see the line, the train of thought that Paul had when he wrote this. He said, the Bible already says it, that, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is a fact. But then there is a question. What if these people don't even know that there is a Lord to call upon? What are we going to do? And so Paul begins to go gradually and breaks the steps down. So verse 14 now, he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That, yes, so we know that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But calling on the name of the Lord requires that you must even believe on, on the Lord you are calling on. 
But how can these people call on the person that they don't even believe in? Then he goes on to ask again that, okay, how can they now even believe in him of whom they have not heard? So if I say, call on Mr. Jang Kwan Queen, you don't know any Jang Kwan Queen. Even if he's the world, assuming he's the wealthiest man and you need money urgently, I say, call on Mr. Jang Kwan Queen and he'll give you money. And you first you ask me is, please, who is Jang Kwan Queen? Simply because you have never heard of him. All right. That's what Paul was saying. That yes, these people, we've called on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But how, will you call, how can they call on the person they have not believed in? Okay, how can they even believe on somebody that they've never heard of? Then he goes on to say in verse, still in verse 14, that, okay, how can they hear without a preacher? So you see that the, there's a chain, of, it's a chain of reaction, right? It's a chain reaction before they get to calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. He says, how can they call on, so he says, how, um, how shall they believe on whom they have not heard? He now says, how shall they hear if, there's not, if there was no preacher? Okay, just the same way that I can come to you and say, man, you need money. You need $1 million. Come, let me tell you of this man. His name is Jang Kwan Queen. That is me preaching to you about Jang Kwan Queen, that he's a very rich man. He's very generous. Any amount of money you want, he'll give it to you. All right, this is me preaching. And the reason why you are hearing is because I, I am preaching the, the message of Jang Kwan Queen to you. Okay. Please, there's no, I don't know anybody called Jan Kwan Queen, just a disclaimer. Um, so look at verse 15. So verse 14 says, How can they hear if they if how can they hear without a preacher? All right. Verse 15 now says, And how shall they preach except they are sent? So even the person that needs that needs to preach, the person also needs to be sent. Okay. Then he says, and this is where. This takes us back to where we just read in Isaiah 52, all right? Verse 15, let me read again. It says, and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Again, we see the gospel of peace mentioned here. And bring glad, glad tidings of good things. So this was, this was a, a, a direct quote from Isaiah 52 verse 7 where we just read some minutes ago. And Paul was quoting that. But Paul did gave us the opportunity to see the background flow as to how we arrived at that scripture, right? Um, that how beautiful are, are the feet of those that, that spread the good news. So what this means is that there are people that need to be, that need to be saved, but they will not, the way they get saved is that they need to call upon the name of the Lord. Anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. However, they can't call on the name of the, of the person they don't believe. They can't believe on the person they have not heard of. They can't hear if there is no preacher. The preacher cannot preach if he, if he wasn't sent. So this brings us to our responsibility as believers that we carry, we are now the saint of God. And how do I know this? Okay. I know this because Second um, Corinthians, let me read that to us. Just a minute. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, oops, sorry. Oops, uh, where is this scripture, please? So please help me. The popular scripture. Um, he has given us the, the ministry of reconciliation. I, for some reason, this scripture is keeping my mind. Like if it's in Romans or or Corinthians now, I just keep my mind. So someone should please help me with that scripture um, that says God was God was in Christ reconciling the world towards us, uh, towards himself rather, and has also given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, where is that scripture now? Someone should please help me drop that in the chats so that we can move ahead. But anyways, the scripture clearly says that God, the same way God was in Christ reconciling the world back to us is the same way he has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, sorry. Okay, good. Thank you. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. Thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 5 
verse 21. Thank you very much. So God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Um, and he says that he has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that is how I know that every one of us have this responsibility to reconcile the world, um, reconcile the world to Jesus, right? Just the same way God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is our responsibility. So that automatically gives us the, the places the responsibility of being sent up on us, okay? Now, having established that, I want us to look at two important parables. Two important parables. Two important parables. So, son, should please read for us Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9. Please, son, should read for us. Um, read that scripture for us, please. Matthew chapter 13. Verse three to nine. Anyone there? Sons, please read for us. Um, Matthew chapter 13, verse three to nine. Three to nine. Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verse three. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlining rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered under hot sun. Since they did not have deep roots, they died. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among tongues. They grew up and choked by choked out the, the tender plant. So other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So that's what? So, yeah, so just go to verse 18, right? And read down to 23. Let's see the explanation of this parable. 1823. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the path foot represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seeds that fell on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seeds that fell among the tongues represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. 23. The seed that fell on the soil represent those who hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for that. So this is a very pop popular um, parable. And I believe almost everyone here, or most of us must have heard this parable. So Jesus Christ gave a parable and said, um, the kingdom of God, and he was talking about the kingdom now. So he says, the kingdom of God is like unto a, a man. It's like this, that a soil went forth into the field to sow. So the soil went forth to plant seeds and then he began to explain that seeds fell on different kinds of ground. And in Jesus' explanation, he gives us the interpretation of this parable. And he says that the sower, the seed rather, is the word of God. Okay, um, verse 18. He says, here the parable of the, soil, of the sower that whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and then he goes on to explain that. I, I, I don't want to read that again because we just read it. But the seed here represents the word of God. And... The soil here represents the heart of people, okay? And the sower is, you know, God himself who's, or, or Jesus who speaks the word. Now, in this particular parable, we see that the seed is the word of God and the, the soil or the field is the hearts of people, okay? And um, I said here that given the right soil, 
the seed grows and produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So this is a very straightforward, I mean, we, most of us already know this. And um, I, I'm not going to the details of, you know, the various soils, but I just want us to, to take note of two things here. The fact that the seed in this parable is the word of God, and then the soil is the hearts of men. So when God's word comes to you and I, for instance, it takes root in our hearts, and depending on the way we respond and we treat the word, it grows and begins to produce fruit in our lives. Okay? So this is very simple. This is parable one, where the, where the um, seed is the word of God and the soil is the heart of men. Now let's go to the second parable. Matthew chapter 13, still in the same Matthew, in fact, just the next verse after the interpretation. So Matthew chapter 13, let me, let me read this for us. Verse 24 to verse 30. In the same context, in the same, to the same audience, Jesus Christ gave another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then also appeared the tares also. Verse 27. So the servant of the household came and said unto him, Sir, did, did not you plant good seed in the field? From whence then hath its tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, least while you gather up the, the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, go ye gather together first the tares and bind them in bundles to, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So again, this is the second parable that Jesus Christ gave. But in this parable, he said that a man went to plant you know, in his field and then when the, when the, the crops began to produce fruits, they noticed that um, there were some foreigners among the, the crops as well. And um, the, the servants wanted to operate it and master said, no, don't worry, let's let them all grow up until maturity. So let's look at the interpretation of this parable. And uh, this is where I'm concluding today's you know, Bible study on. So verse 37 to 43 gives us the explanation of this parable. Verse 37 says, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So in this parable, again, the sower is the son of man, okay? Verse 38, the field is the world. So we begin to see a, a, a difference in this parable, that the seed in this parable is the word of God, is the world rather, sorry. The seed is the world, that's the world we live in. Um, verse, verse 38, the, seed, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one. And I, I'll probably just stop here and read the rest because this verse explains what I'm, where I'm heading at. It says that the field, in this parable, the field is the, is the whole world. In the earlier parable, in the first parable, the field was the heart of men. Again, in this second parable, the good seed represents the children of the kingdom, okay? But the, the tares, that's the bad seed, are the children of the world of the children of the wicked one. And then it goes on to explain, you know, gives the, gives the explanation for the rest of the parable. But I just want to focus on the difference between the first parable and the second parable and show us how God wants us to transition from the first parable into the second parable, okay? So in the first parable, the seed was the word of God and the soil was the heart of, was our hearts. But in the second parable, the seed is now the sons of the kingdom and the soil is the field, or the, uh, sorry, the world rather, the field or the soil is the world. What this means, right, for us is that God expects us to, like in the first parable, the word of God comes into our heart. He expects that word in our hearts, in the soil of our hearts to grow and produce fruit and make us mature up to the point that we now become the seeds he plants in the world. Remember that in the first parable, the seed was the, it was the word of God planted in the hearts of men. And these men grow up in, in the word of God, become mature 
So, and, and they become what the Bible calls the sons of the kingdom. Look at what verse 38 says. It says, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. So the result of this word of God in our heart is to make us the children of the kingdom. What God does with the children of the kingdom is that he plants the children of the kingdom into the world. And the essence of him planting us into the world is so that over time, our engagement in the world, our interaction with the world, we will take territories for him. We will then produce fruit for him. However, just like this par uh, par the second parable already states that there is not only God that has this strategy, even the enemy also has this strategy and he comes to do it in the night. He comes to plant evil men in the same territories that we have been planted in. So you might, in that same office where you are working, there's somebody that the enemy is using to evangelize people for his own kingdom. Just the same way God expects you to evangelize and bring the gospel to, to, um, to people in that same territory. Let me give a practical example. Say in an office, right? Um, there are, there's someone that is doing, um, you know, black market deals, for instance, someone that is doing, that's cutting corners and, you know, stealing money from the office to simply put, put it that way. And that person is actively looking for who would be his partner in crime to do that. So he looks for someone that has the tendency, maybe someone that loves money a lot or someone that is in need. And the person says, guy, you're waiting for salary. Come, let me show you what to do. You see, when they're sending this email like this, do it this way, you pose as this and that. And he shows the person how to steal money from the office. That is a son of the of the devil, or that's the that's the that's the that's the bad plants, right? In that particular field. Whereas you, God has planted you there so that when maybe this same person comes and says, Oh, I'm in need, I really need money. My house rent is due in two weeks. If I don't get this money, my landlord will kick me out. God expects you to bring the gospel onto that person in that same in that same territory. So the same territory where you have been planted. Is the same territory that God has planted somebody, all right, to be to preach another gospel for the kingdom of darkness. And this is why we need to be alert. This is why the Bible talks about the alertness and the preparation to spread the gospel of peace. Because if you don't spread the gospel to somebody, the enemy will quickly come in and spread his own gospel to that person. Okay, that's why the alertness is super important. All right, so I said here that God's expectation is that. The word of God should be planted in our hearts and grow till it matures us fit enough for God to plant us in the field of the world. So it's a progression. We start by receiving the word of God, the word of God's kingdom in our hearts. That word grows into maturity uh, and makes us a certain kind of person. Remember that Jesus Christ said to Peter, follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. That means at that point in time, Peter was not yet a fisher of man. But as he followed Jesus, he was going to, going to be made a fisher of man. It is the same way that the word of God is in our lives. When we receive the word of God, if the day we receive the word of God is not the day we become what the word talks about. But as we cultivate and nurture the word of God, not only does it grow in us, but the word of God also causes us to grow. And it brings us onto a certain level of maturity. And God says, now you are a son of the kingdom and I can plant you in a particular field. So maybe, maybe, I'm just saying paradventure, the reason why God has not yet given you maybe that dream job might just be that he's preparing you and maturing you so that when you get that dream job with the amount of salary and all the benefits that comes with it, you will not lose touch of the consciousness that you, are, you have been sent into that territory for a particular, for a purpose aside just earning a salary, okay? Maybe that's why God is taking this the time to build you up. But don't forget, it's a progression. We receive the word of God in us. It matures us up to the point where he, God takes us and plants us as a seed or in the field of the world. And, and the reason why he plants us there is so that he can now reap harvest of other sons unto himself. All right? I hope this, is, um, this makes sense and it's clear enough. So I, I said here in the slide that God plants the seed of the word in our hearts so we can become seeds he plants in the world. Let me take that again. God plants the seed of the word in our hearts so that we can become seeds he plants in the world. 
So in the first parable, the seed is the word of God. In the second parable, the seed is you and I that God plants in the world. And this should change our mindset towards evangelism. Evangelism is not only when you go on the street and you share tracts and preach like that. No, evangelism is also that opportunity that God gives you in your office, the opportunity that God gives you in the, in the bus, in public transport, in your car. Maybe when you pick someone and, and you know, let, let me just share the experience of my wife. She has a history of picking people from, her, from the estates, you know, that are going their route. And almost every person that she picks, she finds an opportunity to share the word of God with that person. And I know people right now that she's, she's speaking to and sort of discipling that came from that experience of just picking them, you know, uh, on her way to work and dropping them um, along the way or wherever their bus stop is. Just a little opportunity gave God the, the avenue to bring the word of God to someone. So again, I'm saying this to everyone that don't lose the opportunities God gives you to preach the word of God to somebody. It might not necessarily be the gospel of salvation. It might be a gospel of encouragement. It might be a gospel of strength. It might be a gospel of, of warning. Whatever message God drops in your heart, be alert and be sensitive to the opportunity to preach this gospel and to spread the gospel to somebody in your territory, okay? Let me read this again, that God plants the seed of the word in our hearts so that we become seeds that he plants in the world. All right, the world here means the territories and the other um, expressions that God will plant us. So finally, in conclusion, I'm just going to read um, John chapter 12, verse 24 and, sorry, 24 to 25. I beg your pardon. This is not, um, this is not 45. This is 24 to 25. All right. So let's read that quickly as we round up. Where is John? The Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. Okay, so Jesus Christ himself was speaking here. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And Jesus Christ gave this parable to, to talk about his death and, and, and the season of his death was, was near. So he gave this parable to explain to the disciples why he was going to die and the impact of his death. So he said, that except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Meaning Jesus Christ was, was, um, was typifying his death with, with a seed being planted in the ground. Meaning that he, Jesus, was going to be planted in the ground and as a result of that, he says, if, it, if, if it's planted, right, it, it will produce more fruits. He says, except it um, falls to the ground and dies, that's the planting experience, it abides alone. But he says, but if it dies or if it's planted, it bringeth bring it forth much fruit. So God, Jesus Christ was saying that God is about to plant me so that he, God can have a harvest of fruits. And it is the same way also that God wants to plant you and I in, in various territories so that he can have harvest of souls from those territories. And please and please, I really encourage us to be sensitive to every opportunity God will give us to bring harvest onto his kingdom. It might be one person God will just want you to have a conversation with. And you know, this is one area that I'm really grateful to God that he, he, he made me aware of early on, that there is no place I have worked in, right, till date, that someone's life was not touched for the gospel, either directly or indirectly. And I remember my former, former place of work, and I was speaking, and, and after, some, after about a month or so, my former boss you know, came to me and she said, Victor, now I know why you joined this company. In fact, she said, God sent you to this company for my sake. And I was just an intern. I mean, I, I, was, I could be insignificant in the, in the organogram of that company. But I knew that God sent me there for a reason. And when I saw, saw the opportunity, I yielded myself. And, and till today, God is still reaping the fruit of that seed that he planted. So I'm telling you that God is expecting fruit from your life. God has seen that, oh, you've been internalizing the word of God over years. Now he's planting you in a field, but he's expecting return. So my question is, are you giving God harvest from the territory that he has planted you in? Look at what verse 25 says, he that loves his life shall lose it, 
and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Meaning the person that is so concerned about just me, myself, and I, but doesn't go out of the way to minister to other people, to bring the gospel to other people, that after some point you lose your life, meaning your life will lose value upon this earth. But the person that abandons his life to the, to the work of God, the Bible says that you will find your life, it says um, you, you would keep it unto eternal life, meaning the result of your, of your life, the product and the fruit of your life will not just end on earth, but will have a ripple effect in eternity. Okay, so I, this is my admonition to every one of us. And lastly on the slide, I said here that God planted Jesus and harvested us into his kingdom. In the same way, God wants to plant us and harvest other souls into his kingdom. Hallelujah. All right. So I hope this was helpful. Um, this was a roller coaster. I know we didn't take any like, question and, you know, or we didn't take, well, we didn't have interactions rather during the study, but I'm hoping we can do that right away. Okay, so please let us, um, let us, yeah, I mean, this is the end of the Bible study. <laughs> um, I hope we learned a thing or two. At this point, I would love to take questions from us. Um, I know I might have gone very fast, but I'm, I'm open to taking questions, you know, if there are any questions from us. Um, but yeah, let, let me start from that. Let me not assume the Aries. So let me start from that. Please, any questions based on today's Bible study? that you want to ask any questions on Mixellar or on Zoom, please feel free. Feel free to share with us your questions. Any question, please. I'm really looking forward to a question from us. Anyone from us. By the way, the scripture, and let me confirm that the scripture I was trying to find, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse... 19. Let me just confirm that that is it. Okay, good. From verse 19 to verse, yep, to verse 21. Perfect. Okay, any question, please, anyone, feel free to ask your question. If you're on Zoom, if you're on Mixellar, please drop your question in the chat and we will um, give you an answer by the help of the Holy Spirit. Any question, any question, any question? Okay, no question. So, I mean, is it, is it safe to assume that we all understood what was taught um, since we don't have any question? And if, we, if that's the case, then I want to hear from you what you understood, okay? Um, you know, you know I, during my NYC, I, I was a primary school teacher. When you ask this, and I, I taught primary three, right? When I ask these children, do you understand? They'll say yes. When you now give them test, they won't answer it. So I don't want that case here. So if you understood, then share with me what you understood from today's Bible study. So I think I'll take three people today. Um, what, what, um, to, what, I mean, what you learned from today's Bible study. Okay, while I'm waiting for you guys to share, someone asked a question on, on Mixellar. He says, how best can one minister to his boss? <laughs> a very interesting question because I can... Okay, okay, he says, without being paranoid, good. So how, how best can you minister to your boss without being paranoid? All right, very good question. Um, let me share from my experience since I've had the opportunity to do so. So let me say something first and foremost, right? Before we, before I answer this question, when you read um, Romans chapter ten, where we where we read earlier, and it says that how can they preach without being sent? So one thing you really need to take note of here is the word being sent. So I know we are to preach the gospel, and I, I, that's what I've explained here. We're to preach the gospel in our territories, but we there's an important aspect to that, and. It is the fact that we, we, are, we are to be sent. And what does sending here means is that in your office, for instance, it is not everybody that you are sent to. Just the same way Jesus Christ explained that there are so many widows in Zarephath, but there was only one widow that um, the prophet was sent to. Okay? So it is not every single person you will be sent to. And this is super important to take note of. That before you, whether this is your boss or any, anybody, first of all, Discern in your heart that God is leading you to speak to this person, okay? 
for instance, um, again, another experience in my former former place of work, that when I got when I resumed, there was a particular woman in the office that my for some reason my attention was 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 being drawn to, and so just that the fact that my attention was drawn to that woman made me begin to pray in my heart and ask the Holy Ghost, what is going on? What are you saying? And then after some some days or weeks of prayer, the Holy Ghost dropped in my heart that. He gave me a word of knowledge, basically, for this particular um, woman. And it was around, I, I didn't know what the case was, but one day I called her and I said, oh, that this, you know, Holy Ghost is dropping this in my heart and all of that. And then it was such an apt word because she opened up to me and said that she's been married for a couple of years now and she hadn't had any children. And, you know, it was beginning to weigh on her heart and all of that. And so when that message came, it was very encouraging to her. So what I'm saying is first discern that God is sending you to that person. Once you are, you are setting your heart that God is sending to this person, then the next thing I want you to do is to pray about that person. Your prayer and intercession opens the, the, the window of opportunity for you to minister to that person, one. Secondly, is that it breaks any you know, demonic resistance or, or hold upon the person's heart. And then thirdly, it creates the Kairos moment or the opportunity for you to minister to that person. And I promise you, if you are really praying for the person, when the opportunity to minister to, to the person comes, you would know it. You will need to, you will need to force that opportunity. It will come, and you will descend that this is the the window I have been waiting for. All right, and this applies to whether the person is your boss or your your colleague or anything like that, or whether the person doesn't work in your office or at all or not. All right, I hope that was helpful. Okay, so what do we learn today? Anyone wants to share with us? Anyone on Mitzelar wants to help us? One thing you learned today that you want to share with us, please. Since we don't have questions, so I'm assuming we learned something. So feel free to share with us. Okay, hi, praise. Please go ahead. Your hand is up. Okay, so um, thank you, Victor. Um, so basically, what I learned today, or what was re-emphasized, was the was the reminder that actually God has an investment on our lives, just like He said, we are His workmanship, and like you said, He's actually expecting a return on that investment He has in our lives. The Word has come into our hearts, and that Word started from salvation, and it gave us uh, eternal life first of all. And we have been absorbing the Word and doing a whole lot of things with it, mm. and. God actually expects us to be planted as seed, just like Jesus, and also expects an investment on our life, just like you said you um, when you went for your internship and all those things. And the fact that you also said something about the fact that um, a, a corn of wheat, um, if you would if you love your life, you would you would lose it, and if you would actually don't love your life, rather you sow your life for the things of God, you actually keep it i think that reminder was really really good and it's really blessed me thank you hallelujah thank you so much praise for sharing that so god expects a return on his investment in your life thank you so much for that um, for that wonderful recap okay we have space for one more person i think i know we have learned but i'm sure we are just waiting for who would own up to speak but yeah please feel free um to to share the floor is open. If you're on Mixella, you can drop your comments, what you learned, um, what you learned, and I'll just read out to everyone. One more person before we go, one more person before we go. I'm going to call someone randomly. So if you are not owning up, I might do the honors of calling you. Um, um, Ope Oluwa, do you want to share with us one thing you learned today? Ope, if you're here, please, we'd love to hear from you one thing you learned today from the Bible study. Don't forget to unmute your mic. Ope, are you there? Oh, okay. Um, in the absence of that, Chioma 
I'm putting you on the spot. Please share with us one thing you learned today. Um, yep. Shoma, are you there? One thing you learned today. Don't put me on this bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put me at this spot. Well, I, I actually learned um, basically that um, God has an investment in our lives and uh, we are we are basically God's investment and he's he and we should not disappoint him. Our lives should be should reflect God and at the same time. As an investment, we should give returns. So, mm. and how do we give returns? We should godly returns. We should be able to win souls for Christ by our actions, our character as well, mm. so that God will be proud of us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. You see, that was helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll take one last person. Esther, your hand is up. Hi, Victor. Oh, hi, okay. Okay. Um, hey, Esther, yes, sorry. Yeah. Okay, Esther, before we take you, let Ope go ahead. Ope, yes, we're listening. Okay. Sorry, I joined late. Sorry. So, but what I heard um, was that we should um, we should be sensitive and when when there's a notion or when there's a prompting to about somebody, pray about the person and just just be persistent in prayer and you know what the reason is for. Mm. Basically, just be sensitive and if, if something comes to your heart about somebody, note it or know what to do about it. Yeah, let's be sensitive. That's why I like. Sorry, because I joined it. I didn't hear so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. That's fine. Thank you very much for that reminder. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, oh, Esther is of the call. All right. So we're going to close on this note. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Um, just few announcements before we go. So how many of us received a call during the week from anyone, any, any, of the, any of the team members, you know, from Borderless Christian Community? Anyone received a call? You can just lift your hands up. Let me see. A call to check on you. You know, last week we announced that we're going to follow up on our, on everyone of the community. That is still going on. Oh, thank you. I see hands up. Fantastic. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So if we haven't called you yet, um, we are getting, we will call you. We'll still continue that um, throughout this week as well. So yeah, we just want to reach out to everyone and make sure we're all doing fine. And also uh, probably just put reminders in, in our hearts again about the community. Secondly is again, prayer cluster, <clears throat> excuse me, prayer clusters. We've been announcing that over and over and it's a very important aspect of you know, growing in Christ. So I encourage every one of us to join a prayer cluster. Um, the link has been shared in the group and will still be shared um, over and over again. So please join a prayer cluster. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. This is a wrap for today. God bless you all. Um, just need to confirm. Okay. So next, next Tuesday is actually the last Tuesday for this month. So it will be a prayer meeting. Um, next Tuesday is actually the last Tuesday for this month, right? So it will be a prayer meeting. So let's get, come prepared to pray and experience the power of God in prayers, all right? Father, we thank you for today. We are grateful. We worship you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the insight, insight into your word. Thank you for understanding. We declare that we are empowered to keep your word. We open our hearts to um, every opportunity you give us to, to preach your word and to share your share the gospel with someone. Father, we say thank you. Be thou exalted and glorified in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, good night, everyone, or good